You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. How firm a foundation. Till I die 
Tennessee Children's Church is starting now, ages 4 to 10. You can head on back there and uh, have some games, learn the Bible. Trey, you're going to have to stay in here, buddy. Um, if, if, unless you start acting up, then we'll see. All right. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13. The 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and, and I want to preach on this thought today, how to be wealthy. Anybody interested how to be wealthy? Uh, and I can make it a real short sermon and say a good start is replacing your gasoline engine with a steam engine. We're going to start there, all right? And uh, that's point number one. No, uh, there's, a, there's a story that was told uh, many years ago by a man by the name of Russell Conwell. He told of an ancient Persian by the name of Ali Hafed. He owned a, a very large farm that was full of orchards and uh, fields of grain, gardens, just a beautiful place. Matter of fact, he was a very wealthy man, a very content man in the place where he lived. One day, however, uh, Ali entertained a guest who was kind of a world traveler. And this man had told him, began to tell him about diamonds and about diamond mines, and, and how wealthy he could be if he were to discover and own a diamond mine. So that night, that began to get into Ali Hafed's head, and that in one day, that morning, Ali had woken up a rich man, a wealthy man. But by the time he went to bed that night, he went to bed a poor man. He went to bed a poor man, not because he lost any of the possessions that he already had, not because he lost any of his land or orchard or anything like that, but I'll tell you what he lost. He lost his contentment. He lost his contentment, and in place of that contentment, he put covetousness. So he replaced his contentment and became covetousness. So, Coveting a mind of diamonds, he sold his farm to search for these rare stones. Gave up everything he had and began to travel the world, uh, began to travel from continent to continent. Finally, over the time of traveling and, and purchasing a piece of land and it, it coming up dry and only finding maybe a stone or two, before long this man lost everything that he had. He became so poor, so broken, so defeated, that ultimately he committed suicide. He lost everything because he lost his contentment. On the other hand, the man who purchased Ali Hafed's farm, one day after a number of years, led his camel into the garden to drink. And as his camel put his nose into the brook, the man saw a flash of light from the sands of the stream. And he pulled out a stone that reflected the hues of the rainbow. The man had discovered what became the mine of Golconda, the most magnificent diamond mine in all history. Had Ali Hafed remained at home and dug in his own garden, he would have had acres of diamonds instead of experiencing a lonely, sad death in a strange land. You see, the more we want from a human perspective, the less that we have. I want to preach today about how to be wealthy, and I'm afraid that there's way too many of us as God's people that go around like poor people, that go around like poor people. 
Now, I'm not talking today about the clothes we're wearing and the cars we're driving and, and the way our bank accounts are looking, okay? I'm talking about from a spiritual point of view. Folks, we go around acting like poor folks when in all reality we have everything we need in Jesus. Everything we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to, listen to this, the riches of His grace. The riches of His grace. Ephesians 2 verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us. Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, the riches of His grace, the riches of His mercy, the riches of His glory. My friend, we, we share in this wealth. So much like Ali Hafed, it's not that we lack resources today. I didn't really, the, the title of the message isn't how to get wealthy, it's how to be wealthy. It's how to understand and grasp what Ali Afed had the whole time on his own property. He was already in possession of everything that he needed. He just didn't realize it because he was looking beyond that. See, we don't lack, it's, it's not a lack of resources that, that is our problem. It's the lack of perspective. It's the lack of perspective. Hebrews 13 verse 5 is going to be our text verse today. And I hope before we're done this morning, and just in a little bit, I hope that you'll be very familiar with this verse and the principles of this verse. I hope that as you go through life, the truths of this verse will continue to ring out in your heart. Hebrews 13 verse 5 simply says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. All right, so quickly, three quick points today. Number one, this verse tells us there's something to avoid. Number two, it tells us there's something to attain. Number three, it tells us there's something to appreciate. Number one, something to avoid. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Folks, the 10th commandment in Exodus 20, verse 17, as a matter of fact, is thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. And by the way, can I just add to this real quickly? That it, there's a great reminder in this when it comes to God's restrictions. When it comes to the things, Kenley, that God says, don't do this. He's not, he's not trying to keep you from something good. He's trying to, he's trying to help you preserve something great. Or keep something great for you and hold you back from something. He says, thou shalt not covet. He's trying to preserve you. He's trying to bless you. Thou shalt not covet is one of the Ten Commandments. What does it mean? Uh, well, in the negative sense, it means feeling or express, a feeling or ex expression or characterized by a strong or immoderate desire for the possessions of another. Co to covet... As we'll see here in just a moment, in the negative sense, in the thou shalt not covet uh, idea of coveting, that is me being where I'm at in my life and me looking over at somebody else's life, not being happy with what I've got and, being, and wanting what they have and being jealous of what they have. And it can bring ill will on the fact that they have it when I feel like I should have it. But the big thing is, is my problem is I'm not taking time to appreciate what I have right now. 
Therefore, I'm looking over at what somebody else has, and I'm coveting what they have. Now, I would be remiss, I've got to tell you this at the start of this message, that to covet can be used in a positive way. Did you know that? Just like to lust can be used in a positive way. That might surprise you. It just simply means desire. The Bible says the Spirit lusteth after the things of the Spirit. But in this regard, the Bible says this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, covet earnestly. The Bible tells us to covet. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And, and this just simply is a positive sense. It's to desire or wish for with eagerness, to desire earnestly to obtain or possess, but in a good sense. So it's a good, there is, it's okay to want something, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's okay to have a desire to own something. It's okay to desire something. But there is a sinful covetousness, and, it, and, and that is when we're not content with such things as we have. Okay, so there's a balance, okay? It's, it's not wrong to want something, but it's wrong to, to not be content with what you have and then to be desirous of what somebody else has. Now, notice this. Something to avoid, covetousness. Number one, notice how it's manifest. How it's manifest. The Bible says there in ch uh, chapter 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. That word conversation there speaks of our manner of life. It speaks of the way we live, the tenor of your conduct, the manner of your life, the disposition of your hearts. That's what you're, the way you behave. In other words, if you're a covetous person, it's on display in the way you live on a daily basis. If you're a covetous person, it's on display with your attitude. If you are a, a, a person that is never happy, never joyful, never has peace, there's a very good chance that you uh, are dealing or struggling with covetousness. Always looking outside of your own life. Always looking outside of your... And now listen, let me tell you something. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you, you're in the right place. Because what you really need, you can find in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Any, any of you Christians agree with me on that one? What you need, you can find in Jesus Christ. But now at the same time, there's two or three of you, but the, at least the rest of you are admitting it. Amen? Uh, because what happens is when we are not satisfied in Jesus and what he offers, there's a reason why. We're looking outside of what we have. We're looking outside of our wealth that we already possess. The way to be, be wealthy is to enjoy the wealth that we already have in Christ. So we, 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 the, the, the problem with covetousness is what happens is the way it manifests is we, we begin to build our lives around temporal things instead of eternal things. We search for contentment. Now think about this. Here we are. You, here you are saved by God's grace. You know Christ is your Savior. You have all the riches of heaven. We're heirs and joint heirs with Christ, yet we seek for contentment perhaps in our health. Are you content? As long as I'm healthy, I am. But don't let me get a disease. Are you content? As long as everything's good in my life, I am. Are you content? As long as my relationship is strong with someone else, because my contentment depends on someone else, you see. See, when our contentment is on other things, that's, that's unrealistic expectations. And we, let me tell you something. 
My wife is putting an unrealistic expectation on me if she expects me to bring her contentment. Don't laugh at me too hard. Because it's the same. If you are looking, we've got this terrible idea. And I, I, I mentioned, I, I try to always try to preach to the teens on some of this stuff. But, but it, we need it as adults too. We've got this terrible idea of thinking, oh, you know, the whole you complete me thing, you know. Uh, you, you, you complete me. Uh, and it's just like, okay, uh, th- that's, that's a terrible perspective because what I'm doing is I'm looking for contentment. See, a relationship, a marriage, uh, a friendship, whatever it is, folks, it's not two people that are giving 50-50 and making 100. It's two complete people that are making a solid relationship. Now, you know as well as I do. I'm looking around at some of you. You know as well as I do. If you're looking for contentment in your husband or your wife, that's great as long as everything's going good. But there's a problem with your husband or wife. Somebody say amen right there. All right, uh, nobody too loud. Somebody barely mumbled it out. But uh, there's a problem. I'll say it real loud. My wife's not in here. Uh, There's a problem with your husband or wife. And you know what their problem is? They're a person. They're a person. Therefore, can I just tell you something about when you try to put your contentment in, in your job, in your money, in your security, all of these things? You, you, your expectations are in the wrong place, and you're going to get let down. And so you put it in your loved one, and I'm telling you, you're going to get let down. Some people say, well, I must need a new one then. Maybe I need a new one. Maybe I need a different one. You know, maybe I need a different husband. Maybe I need a different wife. Whatever the case is, I'll look for contentment there. People look for contentment in places. I've known preachers that just can't be content anywhere. They had a problem at their church because, man, there was problems in their church. You know why there was problems in their church? Because there were people in their church. Amen? How about people? Uh, you know, I, I don't like that preacher. I don't like that church. I, I need to find a better one. Well, you may be able to do that, but in your search for a perfect one, uh, you're going to be searching a long, long time. And you've heard it before, but I'll say it again. If you, if you do find that perfect church, will you please not go there? Because you will ruin it. The moment you walk in the door, all right? And if I were to find the perfect church, I would just have to say, man, no, you do not want me as your pastor, okay? Uh, It would be ruined right away. The point I'm trying to make is, as God's people, way too often, we are putting out, we're trying to find contentment in all the wrong places. And, and for some of us, some of us can remember maybe some of those early days in our lives. Some of us, maybe we were brought up without a whole lot. Maybe even when we got married, we didn't have much. But man, do you remember being, uh, maybe, maybe some of you remember being poor and being rich? Remember that? Uh, as, as a kid, I, I can remember getting married. Listen, man, you talk, about, you talk about a wealthy couple. You talk about a wealthy family. Now listen, the bank was trying to, uh, the bank was trying to foreclose on me. Ford was trying to repossess my car. But I was a wealthy man. Uh, the city cut my power off. But man, I was rich. Because every day I came home and there was Melanie. And after only about a year of marriage, I came home and not only was Melanie there, there was Hannah. Amen. And, 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 and I, I was a wealthy man. And I wasn't just finding my contentment in them, but I was looking at something. We, we, way too often when it comes to our possessions, we measure our worth, we measure value in things that we can put a number on and a price on. But we need to learn, and I know it's a little bit cliche, but we need to start placing value on things that money cannot buy. Joy, peace. I've shared with you before. 
I mean, the contentment in Christ. Anybody ever been here when it seems like your whole world's falling apart? I can remember it. I've shared it before, but it just is so vivid in my memory. I can remember specifically uh, driving home in the midst of what I was telling you about earlier in our marriage. And I can remember driving home on a Friday after my sad little check that I worked really hard for, but that's what I had. I I did end up getting two jobs and, and working, and I'm thankful that I was able to do that, even though I was gone all the time. But I got those bills paid, and I and, and, uh, and, and got caught up on stuff and whatever. But I remember coming home and just being in a, in a bad place as far as everything else, as far as financially is concerned. I'm driving my car. It was Friday. I knew I was going to have to hide it from the repo man over the weekend. Uh, I wish I was joking. And... Uh, and, and, and all this. But you know what I'm doing on my way home? Literally, because I start thinking about things. See, the Bible says, be content with the things that you have. The Bible says, for he hath said. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So here I am going down, and, I, and I'm feeling terrible. I feel like a failure. I'm coming home to my young wife. I don't have a whole lot. I don't know what we're, we're, nev- we're not going out to eat that night. I promise you that much. I ought to tell you about the time I took Melanie out to eat and broke open the change jar. She was embarrassed. I, uh, but I was trying to do something good. But, uh, but, I, but I'm coming down the road. I told you you wouldn't be content married to me, okay? But uh, I'm coming down the road, and I'm just, and, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is bad. But I just started praying. I just started looking to the Lord. And I just, but then it just dawned on me. I was like, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. But then I said, but you know what, Lord? At, at, at least I'm saved. But then there's something just kind of clicked there. I'm saved. That means I ain't going to hell. Man, that's a blessing. That means, and I'm driving down the road, just a beautiful, beautiful spring day, and I'm thinking, man, this could be the day that Jesus comes. And, and, and I just start thinking, man, I, I'm going to spend, Cyrus, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. So you know what I do next? But before you know it, I'm just as broke, things are just as bad, but I'm going down the interstate, woo! I mean, shouting, carrying on. Now, you say, oh, you say like you would have found a million dollars, man, a million dollars don't compare to what I'm talking about. You can't buy joy with a million, you can't buy peace, you can't buy happiness, you can't buy security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, the bad thing is, as time has gone on, you know what it's easy to do? It's easy all of a sudden. As time goes on, you start getting a few more things. And then you start putting your contentment in some things. And then you start, start getting away from that. When, you know, when Jesus is all you have, you find out he's all that you need. Sometimes what we think is bad uh, might really be a good thing, okay? So anyway, so, so, so how does it manifest itself? Contentment, man. We've got to make sure our contentment is on the right. If your contentment is in Christ, let me listen to this, you'll never be disappointed. You expect to have a good day at work tomorrow? I hope you're going with that attitude. It's going to be a good day. But let me tell you something. It might not be. I don't know what I... Do you ever wonder what I expect? What are we expecting anyway? Why do we always expect things to be great? We need to quit expecting people and things to be great. Anybody, anybody ever think if you could just get that vacation? And you go on vacation and you're like, this is nice, but the problem is what do you have to do? You've got to come back home. Your contentment, it, you, your contentment can't be in that vacation because it lasts. It's only temporal. 
We've got to learn to put our contentment in things that last, not in the temporal things around us. I mean, man, we will always be disappointed when we build our contentment on anyone, anything, or any place else. See, covetous causes us to hold on tighter to things we should be willing to let go of. It destroys our relationships because we look for contentment in people that we love and we put unrealistic expectations on other people. It is not my wife's job to make me happy. It's not my wife's job. Listen, I mean, I, I hope that she, she does make me happy. She blesses me. But ultimately, I need to find my joy in Jesus Christ. So, something to avoid is covetousness. Something to attain is contentment, all right? All right, so look at Philippians. Well, I'll just give it to you. I'll put it up on the screen. Perhaps Philippians 4.11. The Apostle Paul said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whether I'm bountiful, whether I'm uh, poor, whether I'm doing great, whether I'm not doing so great, it doesn't matter. I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. That includes South Dakota and Iowa. Anybody ever think, if I could just move to a different state? Middle of winter, you think that, I bet, every once in a while, amen? But don't expect that you're going to move somewhere. People try to run all around looking for content. Do you understand what I'm saying? People live these covetous lives. They're not, when God says, thou shalt not covet, he's trying to help us out. He's trying to let us know, hey, that you are, you are wealthy, but you're living poor because you're not content with what you have. You're not content with what you have. And if you're saved by God's grace, man, you have something. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. We talk a lot about our needs, don't we? I need this and I need that. Do you really? Do you really? And having food and raiment, uh, let us therewith be content. Someone said, He's not a poor man that hath but little but he's a poor man that wants much. It's not a poor man that has but little, but it's a poor man that wants much. Uh, I tell you what, honestly, to think about the riches that I have in Christ. I'm a wealthy man. Look at me today. I'm wealthy. I am so blessed. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at some wealthy people. But I hope I'm not looking at some wealthy people that are like Alid Hafed that we talked about that is looking outside of that. Leaving, selling out on what you have. You, selling out on what you have, trying to find contentment somewhere else. You know, that could be in marriage, that could be in church, that could be in your spiritual life, in your spiritual walk with Christ. Oh, my friend, listen. I mean, the contentment that we have. So, something to attain is contentment, and some, something or someone to appreciate is the last point. Notice what it says here. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be with, content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, here's why, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <laughs> Amen. Now, why does he say we can be content? Why does he say we don't have to be covetousness? The Bible says, for he hath said. I, I read that and I had to stop right there because I thought, who are you listening to? Here's what he said. Who are you listening to? See, a big thing about contentment is, who's your source? Where are you getting what you're getting from? For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
But if you're listening to some of this other stuff that's going on in the world, you may find yourself being discontented and therefore being covetousness. For he hath said, Oh, my friend, think about this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That means don't worry. What you shall eat or what you shall drink or for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Jesus says the reason for the contentment that we have is that he's promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. He's promised, amen. And I'm telling you, you talk about an argument for contentment. Jesus is with you. He's there with you. He's there for you right now. Can you imagine that? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Look at verse 6 of Hebrews 13. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord's my helper. Amen. You think about that. It's just such an awesome thing. He's with you. Can you imagine the God Almighty of the universe being with you and you not thinking that's enough? You probably can because, be honest, sometimes you do. And I do too. Yeah, God, Jesus, creator of all, possessor of all, master of all, the, the absolute, uh, that which only, the, the only one who could ever bring contentment to man's heart. Yeah, I know you're with me, but Lord, I sure could use that new truck. That one like he's got. I, 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 you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting a new truck. Amen, I'm not giving hints. Amen, I've been blessed with a great truck. But, but, but yeah, yeah, Jesus, I know you're with me, but boy, I, I sure, I mean, what I'm telling you, remember what it says? Let your conversation be without covetousness. See, our behavior tells on us. Our attitude tells on us. The way we're living tells on us. If we're content, you can tell it in the way we're living. You can tell it in the way we're walking. You can tell it in the way we're talking. You can tell. Uh, but if we're covetousness, you can also tell that too. Uh, did you know that one of the manifestations, I believe, of this can oftentimes be... Now listen, I'm not trying to pick, I'm trying to help you, okay? Because as human beings, we have a tendency toward covetousness, or he wouldn't be telling us not to covet, okay? Understand that. I'm not picking on you today. I, I, I'm, I'm a broke person trying to help broke people, amen? But, I, but, but God's helped me in some of these ways, and I'm trying to help you, and God's trying to help me. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. But the point of the matter is, folks, that a lot of times, our, a lot of our anxiety comes from the fact that we are not embracing the fact that I am with you. We are not listening to what he said. We're listening to way too many other sources. And you can say, oh no, preacher, you don't know. I, I found a really good news source now. It's a really conservative site with great news. Well, that's wonderful. But I'm telling you, ultimately, uh, that, that better not be the source of your contentment or not. Hey, you can pillow your head tonight. And I don't know who it might be at the door, but I'm telling you, I already know who's in the house. I know Jesus is there. So I don't know if, it, if, it's, if it's Putin or if it's some of George Soros's thugs or whoever else it is. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't know who's at the door, but I know who's in the house. Amen. And I don't know what may be taken from me. My health could be taken from me. My life could be taken from me. My family can be taken away from me today. Everything can be taken away from me today. 
You can lock me up in a prison, throw away the key, but one thing you will never be able to do is take Jesus away from me. He will always be with me, and he'll always be with you. Therefore, I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I don't fear what man will do unto me. I don't fear what man will do unto me. Hebrews 13, verse 6. Deuteronomy 6, verse 8. Child of God, will you listen today? Child of God, here's what it says. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Joshua 1.5 says, There shall not any be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Why can we be content? Why, do we have to, why can we avoid covetousness? I'll tell you how and why. It's in Him. He has said. You say, preacher, I ain't feeling it. The Bible don't say you shall feel. It says He said. We ain't about living by feeling. Man, if you're looking, some people, that's where they're looking for contentment at, feeling. Hey, how do I feel? Well, man, I hope that's not where you're looking for contentment at. Because every one of these things will let you down. Hey, but Jesus will never let you down. Because He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I almost feel like I'm speaking another language and you're trying to figure out what I'm saying right now. Just the way it's I'm telling you that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is not going to leave you ever. He's with you. You don't have to ever be afraid. You can be strong. You can be of a good courage. You can walk around, listen, with your head held high, your shoulders back, and a pep in your step, no matter what's going on. Why? Because He's with me, amen. Because my contentment ain't in all these other things. Ultimately, it's in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling you it's not always that way, but I'm trying to encourage you and trying to tell you that's what we need to know today. He has said, the Lord is with you. See, His presence guarantees a lot of things. He's promised to supply all of our needs. Not all of our greeds, but all of our needs. I like what the Bible says in Exodus 15, verse 2. The Lord is my strength. You need some strength today? The Lord is my strength and my song. And He's become my salvation. 2 Samuel 22, 2. Do not try to keep up with me, Austin, uh, Ryan Austin. Uh, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. What's it going to say? I shall not want. Shall not want. I've got him. It's going to be all right. And, and it doesn't mean that we're not looking and hoping and praying for God to do other things in our lives. He knows that we have needs. He cares about those needs. He's going to help us with those needs. But what we ultimately need to learn is to be content in Him because He's enough. He is enough. Anybody? He's enough. 
Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 94, verse 22, But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. Psalm 3, or Lamentations 3, 24, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in Him. You know what a portion is, don't you? That's what you get scooped out. I think about getting something scooped out on a plate, you know. The Lord is my, but man, he's saying everything's your portion. I'm giving you everything. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, will I hope in him. I saw a funny meme this week. I just got to share it. You, 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 know the old, you know the Bernie Sanders deal from Inauguration Day a few years ago? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I saw somebody, they had that picture up, and they had a picture of Bernie Sanders like that, and they said, a Pentecostal board in church, and they showed that. And then they had the same picture over there, and they said, a Baptist enjoying church. Amen. Uh, listen, the Lord is my portion, amen. He is enough. Why? Because He is the Almighty One. The Bible says in Revelation 1.8, He is He who was, who is, and to come. The Bible says He's the Almighty. He said in Revelation that He's the, he's the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He, I can be content. This is the God that's with you, the God that's with me. He's my advocate. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. According to 12, He's our authority. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, we have authority. We have power to do what God's called us to do, to carry out the mission that he has for us as a church. Are you hungry? <clears throat> Somebody says, yeah, quit preaching. Are you hungry? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Amen. I'm the bread of life. Are you thirsty? He said, I'm the water of life. He's the chief cornerstone. You trying to build something? Young people, you got a plan, you're trying to build something in your life. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22, he's the deliverer. He's the faithful and the true one. He's the good shepherd. He said, well, I don't know what's happening next. I don't either. I don't know what's over the next hill necessarily, but I know who's guiding me, amen. I know that a shepherd's walking with me, and therefore I can just trust in him. I'm just, I want to encourage you today and let you know that you can be content with him. Let, let your conversation be without covetousness. Why? For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Not only is he with us, but he's taking care of us. He's our great high priest. You need to talk to somebody that cares, go to Jesus. He's the great I am. Folks, he's Emmanuel. I love him, that, that name Emmanuel. What is it? God with us. He's the king of kings. He's the lamb of God. He's the light of the world. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lord of all. He's the mighty one. He's our hope. He's our peace. Folks, he's our redeemer. He's the risen Lord. He's our rock, our savior. He's the son of the most high. He's the su supreme creator over all. He's the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believeth in him shall never die. He's the door. He's the way. He's the word. He's the true vine, the truth. He's victorious. He's wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And He's the one. 
Who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? There's nothing in this world that could compare to him. Nothing. We have it all in Jesus. We can be content in him. So as we all stand to be dismissed this morning, I want to challenge your hearts. I want to encourage your hearts. That's what I'm trying to do. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, let me tell you something. Jesus wants to save you today. You will never, man, I'm telling you what, I believe there's a bunch of people in here that could help me with this. You will never find contentment out in this world. Never will you do that. You'll only ever find contentment in Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus today, man, He wants to save your soul right now today. He really does. He went to the cross for you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be your strength, your song, your tower, your refuge, and right on down the line. But first, He must be your Savior. You must be willing to turn to Him today. Admit to Him you're a sinner. Be willing to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. He will save you today. How's that happen, preacher? Just simply call on Him. Trust Him. Lord Jesus, please. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Savior. The Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Child of God, how about you today? i got to tell you today, folks, I have struggled with this thing of contentment in my life. I really have. I've struggled with covetousness. You know, you you put your expectations in one thing, in one person. All of a sudden, that person's maybe really not meeting those expectations. So then you think, maybe it's another person. Maybe it's another thing. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's another job. Maybe it's a different neighborhood. You know, we, we, we just go out here, but I'm telling you, there's no wonder people end up feeling hopeless, is it? Because they're just, they're looking for everything. But the bad thing is, us as God's people sometimes, we do the same things. We really do. Do not look for contentment in anything or anybody else other than Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. You can put expectations in Christ because <laughs> he will never let you down. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Why don't we sing a line or two of that song, Only Trust Him. What's that number? 163. Come every soul, sin oppressed, there's mercy with... But when you start to do that, when you start looking for contentment other places, just pause for a second and say, okay, Lord, forgive me. I'm not looking for my contentment, my joy there. Jesus, I want to thank you for being my Savior. I want to find my contentment in you. Lord, I want to thank you that you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. You're going through a dark time, going through a tough time. He hadn't left you. He hadn't forsaken you. And you can praise him and ought to praise him for that, let me tell you. Amen. The Lord's good. Matt Schooley, would you please dismiss us in a word of prayer?